0: How many are ready for the word of the Lord today? i got to be honest. What I'm presenting to you this morning is not what I had planned to be sharing with you today. Um, For a couple of weeks, maybe three, I've actually been preparing a message for a while on the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. In my... Earlier days of church life, I heard, as same is true with many of you, I heard many sermons on this biblical understanding of what takes place as we make our way to heaven. We will stand, as believers, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You don't hear this topic preached much anymore, but in the Lord's time, I'm going to do it. I will do it, probably sooner than later. However, um, this week, something nudged my heart. And I felt the prompting of the Lord directing my thoughts in a completely different direction. And I'm trusting the Holy Spirit. How many know you can trust the Holy Spirit? Trusting the Holy Spirit that this message is today is for at least a couple of you, and I believe that it will be. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 3, the third Psalm. And when you get your Bible open to the third Psalm, Psalms is right in the middle of your Bible. I want you to stand and we're going to read this psalm together. Everyone standing, please, for the reading of the word. Psalm 3. It will be familiar to you because you've heard our choir, our wonderful choir, sing this psalm to us many, many, many times before. Psalm 3. This is yet another of the psalms given to us by David. But let's put just one little piece of context into it. This psalm is directed from the time when he was fleeing from his son Absalom. His son in rebellion had turned against his dad, David, and had his whole group with him that was also in rebellion, and they were uh, out to destroy David completely. And so that chase was on, and here is what David then said in Psalm 3. Would you read it with gusto, please? Lord. Selah. sila i lay down The prophet Isaiah says, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let the church say amen, Amen. and please be seated. Thank you for reading. My desire is to give you a word of encouragement today in this message that I'm entitling, The Voice. The Voice. I'm going to ask you to keep tucked in your mind that I'm hyphenating this psalm from the Old Testament with a very well-known New Testament story. And you'll see how I will overlay them in just a bit. It's a battle that every one of us face as believers, everyone. Doesn't matter how great the victory you've experienced, Or how great the victory is that you encounter. It doesn't matter how high the mountain that you climb and scale the heights. I can tell you this for sure. You can be absolutely assured that very quickly after that victory, there will be a voice in your ear. For the enemy will speak with the voice of discouragement as quickly as he can. Is that anybody's testimony in the room today? In fact, my years of living have shown me a pattern or um, strategic tactic, if you will, that the enemy uses frequently. Right at the conclusion of a great victory, I start looking carefully. That's when I walk the most carefully before the Lord, right on the heels of a victory. You would think that... We're going to have a time of celebration, and we might, and you'd be rejoicing, and you would be walking on clouds or whatever metaphor you'd like to use, but all of my years of living and walking with God have taught me that the very moment we complete and come to the point of a highest victory, that's when the enemy is coming because you're the most vulnerable at that time. I've seen it happen all too often. The enemy tries to inflict a great defeat right on the heels of a great victory. Becky and I were elected to be your senior pastors in June 2011. At that time, our Constitution and Bylaws dictated that a newly elected pastor's first term of office was for 12 months or for one year only, and then that pastor, that newly elected pastor at the end of one year must be subjected to another congregational vote after that year, or some refer to it as a vote of confidence. So in June of 2012, I, it could have happened at the April business meeting, but I think it was June of 2012, essentially 12 months after the first vote, you graciously as a fellowship gave us a unanimous vote of confidence that you wanted us to remain in the office of senior pastor. Now, most pastors would go home feeling pretty good about that. Uh, I understand that there, I am connected to a wonderful network of pastors across this country, and uh, we know how these kinds of things go, and I understand that there are very few pastors who receive a unanimous vote. So I went home that night, and I tried to go to sleep, and guess what happened? The voice showed up in my head, and that voice said something like this, huh, unanimous vote huh but you feel good about that but you know so-and-so wasn't there tonight (laughs) because you can be sure if they had been there it would not have been a unanimous vote in your favor you know brother Wilson and sister Jones they weren't there they would have never voted in your favor I tried to pick names that I thought were very generic I finally laid there and said to myself, because this is not my first rodeo, if you will, I thought, this is utterly ridiculous. Dan, you should be happy with results of this evening, with the confirmation God has given to his people, so stop all that nonsense, close your eyes and go to sleep. And that's exactly what I did. But I wonder, have you ever had that negative voice fill your thoughts and your mind? Wave at me if you've had that happen. The rest of you, you can leave now. (laughs) Something I heard Pastor Des say often was that he said, you know, there are times I can hear the voice of the enemy in my heart louder than I can hear the voice of the Lord. That was always a great encouragement to me. If it could happen to Pastor Des, then maybe I'm not as bad off as I thought I was when I was having those thoughts. Much in the same way that a great victory in your life will typically summon the enemy to come quickly and loudly speak discouragement and defeat, something else could happen. Physical pain will do the same thing. It can summon the enemy very, very quickly. I called this week to pray with a dear lady of this fellowship who has been dealing with significant physical pain. She wasn't trying to be dramatic. Without any effort toward drama, she described or did her best to describe to me how intense the pain has been that she's coping with. And then she said this. She said, now this is a seasoned believer she said pastor dan if i am honest with you the devil has been having a heyday in my mind my thoughts have gone to some pretty crazy places i thought mm-hmm. now, i've known this lady quite well for decades she is not given to be a complainer she's actually quite a positive person and i knew for her to even make that statement to me that she was understating the intensity that she was experiencing. You know, it's, it's bad enough that you have to cope with the physical pain. Those of you who have that, that, that has been your journey. But at the same time, most of us also have to cope with emotional pain and spiritual pain, if you will, because hopelessness sets in when your body is hurting. Hopelessness sets in and your thoughts Can easily go like my thoughts have been when I have been in intense pain. It goes something like this. Well, if this is the bane of my existence, if this is what life is going to be from this point going forward, hey, let's just punch my ticket right now. Let's get on to heaven right now because I can't take this. It's the voice within, the voice within. And when King David wrote our text that you just read to me from Psalm 3, he was struggling with the same kind of struggle. He was struggling with his awareness of his past failure and present weakness. So when you put that together, and that's what the voice is trying to get you to focus on, you put it together, past failure and present weakness All of a sudden that causes you to spiral down and it's true at this point of his life David had experienced great failure he had made a terrible mistake but who of us in this room could not say that we've all made mistakes we've all had failures that we would put in the pretty big category is there one of us in this room this morning who, when you look back over your life, is there anybody in this room that says, I can easily identify mistakes that I have made? That's a soft, precious little amen that you gave me. There's things in all of our lives we wish we had done better. But it would appear in David's writing that he did not fully realize, actually, that he was actually still on the victory side. And I think that's true of all of us. Think about it. God was still proud of him. He was still a man after God's own heart. The lineage of Christ was still uh, going to physically flow through him. Plus, he still had the spiritual promise of the blessing of God through Abraham, which would be continued through his life. But the voice made sure that his past failure and his present weakness was ever before him. Through David's writings, one could easily conclude that he um, felt he was far from where he should be, from what we just read, that he was not living in that which he was called to be. Uh, he thought his character was going to change more quickly uh, than it did. Surely things would have been better by now, which for us as New Testament believers, let's, let's project that to us. Are you ever surprised at how little of the fruit of the Spirit is actually evidenced in your life? I am. Do you, ever, uh, uh, do you ever surprise yourself in how you respond to people in your place of work as a Christian? Do you ever surprise yourself in how you respond to your spouse? Well, they like that, Dan, for sure. Do you ever surprise yourself in how you respond to your family? By that, I mean, does it ever surprise you how you can speak sharply to others when in your heart, you know your heart, you've been hoping and praying that the fruit of the Spirit would become more and more and more evidence in your life, not less, am I right about it? Paul makes uh, somewhat of a reference to this same idea in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5. He's speaking of the part of his journey which he... uh, which they had taken to Macedonia. Speaking of his own issues, Paul says it this way. Our bodies had no rest, and we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. But you put outside conflicts and inside fears together together, And you can easily have a reaction that you were not necessarily expecting. Outside conflicts, inside fears can evoke something within you that will even surprise and disappoint you. Beloved ones, it's simply the human condition. For Paul, there were loud voices that had been raised against him and his, his companions on the outside, and mocking voices and cursing voices, all kinds of things outwardly that were coming against him. and it was producing inwardly an interfere with an entirely new level of voices with which he's now having to contend. Paul was experiencing the voice within. It was the same thing for uh, King David in our Psalm 3 text. Because of the depth of his struggle, in this case the struggle with his son and his son's companions, they were out to kill him and they were chasing him and they were functioning in total rebellion, David's heart became exposed to these condemning and threatening voices that were within. Both from the outside and now from the inside. He said, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there's no help for him in God. Let me just for a second point you quickly to another psalmist. It's Asaph this time in Psalm 77. Don't go there. I'll just, but, but I couldn't help but notice in my study of this idea that Asaph had something uh, of this to say he speaks of his own infirmity and his negative thoughts but in the end he says that he realized it was all coming out of the frailty of his own human heart and when I read that I was uh, I was quickened within my own heart and I and I thought you know Bethesda you and I have to be very very careful very very careful because when we we can easily slip into situations where our own heart begins to take over for the voice of God we get deafened to the voice of God we get deafened to the truth of God to the promises of God because our own heart begins to create scenarios we we what is it Marty you call it headspace you start believing in your own headspace we create inner voices, and can I just be blunt about it? Inner voices that do not belong to God, they are not part of Scripture, and frankly, they're simply not true. But because they're in your head, you think they're true. For Asaph, it resulted in him coming to the point where he had all kinds of thoughts that were simply not true. And Here's what he said in Psalm 77. Will the Lord cast off forever what does that mean will the Lord reject me forever is what that means first of all he was not rejected by the Lord even though he felt rejected so his thoughts took him to will the Lord cast off forever and and will he be favorable no more which means has God's kindness to me come to an end but we believe it when we're hurting We believe it when the inner voice is talking to us, leading us away. He thought he had lost the favor of God, but in reality, God's favor was just as strong as it had ever been, and it's true for you today. You may have walked in here believing that you have lost or fallen out of favor with God, Because circumstances might look that way. But I'm here to tell you what the word of God says. And God's favor is as strong upon you today as it has ever been. Receive that in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Asaph went on to say, has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Can I even still trust the promises of God? What happened to those? What happened to the promises? What happened to the promise of God that I would I would have a new heart and a new mind and and a new spirit? What happened to the promise of God that my house would be saved if I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? And we're far from that today. What happened to that promise? What happened to the promise of God that the woundings of my past would not continue to burden me down any longer and I would not continue to live with that continual sorrow and heaviness on my heart every day? That's where he's at, is the promise of God failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? As Asaph began listening to his own heart, dangerous. I can hear him saying, did I do something wrong? How did did I offend God? Have I crossed the line and didn't know it? Is, Is God too busy for me? Has he forgotten to be kind to me? It's the voice within That every saint of God has to deal with at one time or another. We get weary in the journey. Come on. Physical tiredness will create spiritual tiredness. That's why you have to be refreshed and replenished. We get tired of always walking uphill. Oh my goodness. We get worn down by the incessant voices condemning our progress. And we might as well admit it, life is tough and some of you know what it is to be living in a household where you are demeaned maybe your spouse is not saved and they mock you for going to church they mock you for loving god i know that's true of some in this room today and they're quick to point out every flaw Uh, frankly i don't know how you do it i don't know how you do it some of you know what it is to be in a school system as an educator where they declare you as irrelevant Uh, You're not a functioning productive member of society because you hold to these narrow, bigoted views of Judeo-Christian ethic. And to them your argument is totally irrelevant. You're out of touch or passe to say the least. Maybe you're a high school or college student who gets up every day only to go into a classroom where that which you believe is mocked as uninformed or uneducated. Maybe you're on a job where your integrity and your work ethic are hated. It's hard to live in a society which calls the good that you embrace evil and the evil that you hate, they call it good. And David said this, Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him and God. It sends you on this downward spiral as those around you encourage you to give up the fight. And that is exactly the voice within that many of us in this room live with day in and day out. Now, let's tie this Psalm three with the New Testament story of Lazarus. Let's take David's Psalm that you read this morning and let's see if it applies to Lazarus. And if it applied to Lazarus, might it apply to you? I want you to think with me about Lazarus after he's been raised from the dead. I'm assuming you know the story, after he's been raised from the dead. John chapter 12 says he was sitting at the table with Jesus and he's raised from the dead. This is after that. The Bible says that people not only came to see Jesus, but they also wanted to see this Lazarus whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And because of Lazarus and his situation, many people were believing in Jesus. But this also attracted the leading priests who started hanging around and were plotting not only to kill Jesus, but they were also plotting, according to the Word of God, to kill Lazarus. Think about it. Poor fellow. He gets raised from the dead, and now people want to kill him. Let me, um, let me play with this a little bit in your mind. In my imagination, I can see people coming to the table asking Lazarus, how, so how did it happen? How, you know, you all wrapped up, and yeah. What was that experience like? How did you get this divine life infused within you? And I can almost hear Lazarus trying to explain his story. You know, I could increasingly hear voices. I was so down and despondent. Things were, things were looking so bad for me. And Jesus had been to our home before and he was almost like part of our family, me and Martha and Mary. I, I was just sure, I was just sure he was gonna come and help me, he, a friend. But as life began to ebb away from my body, all around me, I could could hear people talking. I heard these voices talking about how hopeless my situation was and how not only it was hopeless, but moment by moment, it was getting worse. wasn't getting better. I was getting worse. Bethesda, is that a voice you've heard? The hopelessness of believing your children are going to come to God, but... The moment by moment circumstances with them seem to be getting worse and not better. Jesus doesn't seem to be showing up no matter how much you prayed. Or you prayed for the people on your job, but moment by moment, your job situation's getting more complicated and and, and worse and more tense and more difficult. I hear Lazarus say, I heard voices around me, as I was lying in my place of despair. And for some unknown reason, I don't know why, Jesus had not come. And then the moment came when I heard voices saying that for me, that that the end had come. They knew I was at the end. Now remember, David said, many are they who say of me, there is no help please understand listen carefully that is the ultimate goal of the devil his goal is to get you to agree in your heart to that statement to get you to the place of saying not even God can help me now and even if he could it appears he's not going to if he can get you to that place he has won I'm sure God has found some flaw in me. His promises to me no longer apply. I've fallen out of favor with God. God is obviously angry with me and has shut up his tender mercies from me. And finally the voice comes which says that the end has come. And here's Lazarus sitting around telling his story to people. And also my own voice in a final inner cry for mercy before I before I fell asleep. Psalm 3, verse 4, you read it. But I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. Why has the Lord directed me to this passage this morning? I don't know. Only he knows. But I suspect that this verse describes Somebody in this house today. You cried when you went to sleep last night. You don't know how you're going to get out of your situation. You see no light at the end of the tunnel. Before you fell asleep, you uttered one more last cry. Oh, God, please help me. I don't know how I'm going to go on. And all Lazarus, as he's telling his story, had left was a whisper. Jesus. Jesus Jesus don't forget me Jesus will you help me and maybe that's the one prayer that you only prayer that you have left in your heart today but the testimony of Lazarus as he's talking to the people who were so curious doesn't end there as people gather in that room and gather around the table to hear his story I can hear Lazarus saying, but you know what? There was one more voice in my head. It was a voice like no other I'd ever heard. Yes, I had heard this voice before, but never with this kind of power. It was the voice which had the power to call me out of my hopelessness. It was the voice which had the power to hold me in the palm of his hand. It was the voice which had the power to give life where there was no life. It was the voice that somehow drowned out every other voice. All the wailers, all the paid mourners, all of them. It drowned out all who were saying to me, too bad Jesus didn't come. You can't count on him. He's too late. But this voice that I heard drowned out everything that was being spoken around me. And this voice simply called my name, Lazarus, Lazarus. And he called me to come out from where I was into another place. And that's why David gives us in his Psalm. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, And the lifter of my head. In this instance, when David uses the word glory in this, his psalm, it means substance. Substance. It means something of God that wasn't there, or if it was, I didn't know it was there. Something of God came to life within me because he heard the voice. The voice was the, was the glory and the lifter of my head. And Lazarus, I can hear him telling the people, I suddenly lifted up my head and I wanted to get up again. I had slept long enough and I heard a voice calling me. I heard the voice that was saying to me, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. I heard the voice saying to me, a nursing mother can forget her child, but I can't forget you, for I have engraved you in the palm of my hand. I heard the voice saying to me, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm you. That's the voice I heard. I heard the voice saying to me, Come to me if you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. That's the voice I heard. I heard the voice saying to me, if anyone is thirsty, let him come and drink freely from the fountain of life. He that believes on me, as the scripture said, out of his inward parts shall flow rivers of living water. I heard the voice saying to me, I come to give you life and give it more abundantly. Somebody shout hallelujah in this house. I heard the voice saying to me that no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. I heard that voice louder than any voice I had ever heard before. Oh, blessed be God. I heard the voice that has the power to create I heard the voice that can say, let there be light and there was light. I heard the voice that can divide the waters above from the waters beneath. That's a powerful voice, folks. I heard the voice that can establish continents and oceans. I heard the voice that has the power to create life where no life exists. Oh, I I heard that voice that breathed into a pile of dust in the face of the earth and said, live! And Adam became a living soul. That's the voice I heard. Shout hallelujah to the name of Jesus. I heard the voice like no other voice. David said, I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. Sustain me. A deeper examination of this text indicates that it was an abrupt, sudden awakening. I awoke didn't just wake up it was an abrupt sudden the voice called him quickly and his use of the word sustained in this context is saying that the Lord gripped him laid hold of him in other words I woke up suddenly and the Lord gripped me I wasn't expecting it it happened suddenly that's what happened I came to church like I always do every Sunday morning, but this morning I was in despair like I've never been in my life. But suddenly, 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 I heard the voice of God speaking to to me in a way that awakened me. It gripped me, it laid hold of me, it lifted me and gave me the courage to get up. And I heard the voice telling me, you only have a little strength, but I have placed before you an open door that no man can shut. And that is exactly why, as I overlay these passages, that's why David said, I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me all around. In other words, 10,000 people cannot shut the door that God has opened before you. God destined your life and mine to be victorious. He called you to be a song of praise to his name on the earth. He called you to be more than a conqueror. He called you to stand when no one else can or will stand. He called you to give voice to what God alone is able to do in those who are surrendered to him. 10,000 people cannot close the door that God has opened before you. And I believe Lazarus could echo the words of David when he said, I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves all around, around me all around Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Paul the Apostle would say it this way to the Romans. He says, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Say more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Though an ungodly world stand against us, though every demonic voice of hell tries to play out in your mind to oppose you, Though the condescending spheres of this generation look down upon us. No, sir. You and I are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Blessed be the name of Jesus forever. We live on the winning side. We stand on the foundation of truth. For Paul said, oh, what a brilliant passage. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me all around. That's the voice I'm going to listen to. How about you today, Bethesda? (laughs) Jesus, you are my glory, and you are the lifter of my head. You know what, church? I've read the end of the book, and we win this war. (laughs) What voice are you going to listen to today? If you've walked in here listening to negative voices, I'm so sorry. I know what that is. I know how easily you can succumb to that, start to believe it is truth. But I've tried to give you the truth today from the Word of God, that you are favored of God. No weapon that's formed against you is going to prosper. Because only one voice has the keys. Only one voice has the power. Only one voice is truth. Only one voice has the promises that never fail. Only one voice will still be there when all the other voices have lost heart and hope. Who wants to hear that voice this morning? Then stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please.